0: Love Talk Radio.
1: My Heart podcast, the show where we talk about life's problems that may break or tear our hearts apart. On Reconnect My Heart, we'll discuss God's answers to life's problems to reconnect our hearts back to the way he originally made us. I'm your host, Brother Prater. I'm so glad you are able to join us. If you have any questions, comments, if you just want to listen to the show, feel free to call us at 516-453-9118. That's 516 516- 453 or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash heart, <clears throat> or you can go out to our chat room, which is available right now on our website. You can ask your questions, leave your comments, or send your prayer requests. I would like to say a huge hello to my church family, True Believers, Tapenaga Church, while senior pastor, Pastor Otis Logan. If you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, feel free to come and worship with us. We are at 4204 Cardinal Drive, Dallas, Texas, 75216. Once again, I want to thank each and everyone who are tuning in, and thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued prayers, and support. <clears throat> On today's show, we will have a very special guest, Miss Nicole Craig. She has a MA in forensic psychology, and she's going to talk to us about this serious issue that's in society at this time, mental health. She is she will educate us in mental health, and we'll be available to answer questions and much more in the episode called Let's Talk Mental Health. So without further moment ado, right now we want to introduce everyone, Miss Nicole Craig at this time. How you doing, Miss Craig?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: i'm doing great doing great doing great i thank you once again for coming in on the show last week for those who were not listening uh last week she spoke about human trafficking and so for today she want to educate us on this serious issue called mental health so without cutting any more time we want to make sure just jump into it um Ms. Craig, we want to give you the floor at this time. Just speak to us whatever the Lord lay upon your heart to educate us.
2: Okay. Good afternoon, listeners. We're going to talk about mental health today. And basically, mental health um, is a condition with regards to the psychological and emotional well-being. Mental health um, includes emotional and psychological and social um, people. It affects people differently. And it affects the way you think feel, and act. Um, mental health also determines how you handle stress related to others and also making choices. Some of the factors that are contribute to mental health is biological, such as your genes, um, life experiences such as trauma or abuse, and then also family history of mental problems as well. A lot of people always ask, what is mental illness? Um, basically, it's a disease or condition that either um, impacts a person's thought, their perception of reality, um, emotional um, process, or their judgment. It impairs a person's behavior as it, as it uh, manifests into a disturbing behavior. And some of the disorders we're going to talk about today is depression. Um, It's a mood disorder. Depression right now affects at least 80% of the population. And basically, depression is a loss of interest, um, and it manifests within a two-week duration. Um, It's accompanied by symptoms such as sadness, Hopelessness um you're irritated sometimes weight loss, gain, um changing your sleeping habits, loss of interest of or pleasure um this depressive stage can be very difficult to concentrate, and so some of the different types of depression, according to the American Psychiatrical Association, is what we call clinical depression. Um most of the time this is um called um major depressive disorder and it's um used when someone has lost someone I'm sorry correction clinical depression I'm sorry um is basically uh when you have sadness and the loss of a loved one um it usually completely assumes a person day-to-day um living it doesn't stop just because it's a day or two or even a week. It continues weeks and on the end. Um, it interferes with a person's work. If they're in school, it affects their school, um, their relationship with others, and their ability to even enjoy life. Some people feel as though um, a huge hole is, is making them empty inside. So they experience that hopelessness. Um, they also give up on loving someone, especially if you're in a relationship um, of love and you lost a um, spouse or something like that, sometimes they give up on finding love again. It's about 70% of Americans um, are diagnosed with this symptom. And believe it or not, women are two or three times more likely to develop um, clinical depression than men. Depression doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, um, Hispanic, it does not discriminate. It does not discriminate in age or gender or your career or even relationship status, whether you're rich or poor. It affects everyone at any point in time in their life. It also includes children and adolescents, teens. Now we also have a depression um considered for signs. When you have someone that's lose interest, they're irritable, um they worry a lot, they have aches and pains. Um they were don't want to do anything anymore. It's time to look at it and see if they're depressed. Also, younger children and adolescents also can be depressed. When you have a child who's very happy, And all of a sudden, they stop being that happy. And it can be due to um, the parents breaking up. It can be due to bullying. It can be due to a loss of a close relative. Believe it or not, kids, they go through things too. You also have to watch teenagers as well. When they start having negative feelings and feeling worthless and or they angry all the time, they start having poor performances, poor attendance in school, they feel like they misunderstood, they're extreme sensitive, and then they start using recreational drugs such as marijuana or they start drinking alcohol. Eating too much or not eating at all, sleeping too much or Having self harm, a lot of times kids, teenagers that are depressed, um, starts to cut on themselves. That's cutting, and when you have a teenager that's cutting on themselves, that means they're trying to cut the pain away. Also, they're they they like to avoid um, social interaction. When you have a teenager that's pulling back from you, or have a teenager that. Don't want to never go anywhere. It's time to talk to that teen and see what's going on. Now, also, we have major depressive disorder, which is MDD. This is one of the biggest depression that we have in society as well. When you feel fatigued, feeling worthless, you have guilt all the time, you have a change in your weight, it's difficult to concentrate, some of the symptoms to this last more than two weeks. It's a period of months at a time. People with major dis uh, major depressive disorder contemplate suicide. They contemplate not being here anymore because they feel worthless. They don't want to be around anyone. When you have someone that may have some of those symptoms of pulling away, not talking staying at home all the time, not answering calls. Hey, it's time to check on that friend because they could be in danger of contemplating suicide ideation. Then we also have persistent depression, which is a disorder that lasts no more than two or three days, but it can be mild, it can be moderate, or it can be severe. And then we also have postpartum depression, which usually Is women who have been pregnant, they get overwhelmed of the birth of their child or other things that's going on in their life, and this is when that sets in. And so we're also going to talk about another mood disorder, which is bipolar, which is formerly known as manic depression. It's also a mental disorder that's characterized by swings of moods and attitudes and energy level. Oftentimes, people develop this in their late teens or early eight, early adult years, but well, at least half of the cases that are known are started by the age of 25. If you know someone that is bipolar, uh, when they're in a manic stage, and a manic stage is where they have highs and lows, they inflict self um, they have inflated self esteem, they have decreased need for sleep, they're constantly moving because in their mind their mind is still racing. They're more talkative than others. If they start talking real fast, you know, something, they're in a manic stage at that point when they try to uh, have excessive risk-taking. For example, if you know someone that has depressive disorder, they go out and buy a car. They, you know, go out and do a shopping spree, and then they don't understand why they did it. They're in a manic um, episode at that time. They have prolonged feelings of sadness and hopelessness. And that usually lasts maybe a month. And then they might have another mood swing where they're angry all the time. And then they might have another mood swing two or three weeks later where they're happy all the time. Um, they have difficulty concentrating. They have lack of interest at time. Sometimes they have low energy. And then a change in activity level as well. Individuals may completely um, switch on you as far as their mood change. Now, when I say mood change, I don't mean like five minutes from now, that person's going to be happy, and then another 10 minutes from now, they're going to be angry, and then another 10 minutes from now, they're going to be sad. It doesn't work that way. Bipolar um, depression works as it's a month or two, it's a couple of weeks in between. Um, They can be very dangerous simply because they don't. Sometimes when they're in a manic stage. They don't actually see the reality of things, um, simply because they cannot maintain a level of activity normal um, associated with their mania. And so, they can actually hear voices. Someone that has bipolar tendencies actually have. Um, they don't see what you see. They see things that's not there. Hallucination. And so that's all the depression stages that we're going to talk about. Now we're going to move on to personality disorders. Um, There's three types. You have paranoid um, personality disorder. You have antisocial personality disorder. You have borderline personality disorder. And basically, when you're paranoid, it involves the way a person thinks. People would... um, This type of personality disorder suffer from paranoia. They don't trust people. They're suspicious of everybody and everyone that comes around them um, when there's no reason to be suspicious. Then you have antisocial personality. These are people who have uh, disregards for other people's rights. They're often crossing the line and violating those rights. And then we have borderline personality, which... Most people have, Um, and this is when you're unstable, you have self-image, you're very emotional sometimes, Um, you're impulsive, often um, demonstrating self-injury behavior, such as risky um, cutting. Um, They also have a tendency of playing the victim a lot. Um, they play a lot with suicide ideation to get attention. People with um, personality disorder, it's difficult to for them to deal with other people. Um, they have a tendency of having rigid or inflatable times where they're up and down. They're unable to respond to change sometimes or demand of life. They don't always have the pattern of normal when it comes to their behavior. And per- people that would, has personality disorder, they also tend to narrow views of the world and find it difficult to um, be involved in social activities. Also, people with personality disorder, um, they don't like to seek treatment because they think there's nothing wrong with them. Um, They don't have a problem, even when you bring it to their attention. A lot of times people with personal disorder end up in a criminal justice system because of their disorder leads them to break the law or come to the attention of the law enforcement. Alcohol and substance abuse also, um, they like to use these things for self-medication due to their stresses in their life. We also have another form of mental disorder, which is schizophrenia. A lot of people get schizophrenia and bipolar mixed up. Yeah, they have some of the same symptoms, um, but people that are have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, this is basically abnormalities. Um, they have five domains, including delusion, um, hallucination. They have disordered thinking. They have grossly um disordered disorganized um or abnormal motor behavior they have negative symptoms which includes um diminished emotional expression and they have a decrease in the ability to engage in self activities. These symptoms um basically are chronic and they're severe a lot of times when you see someone that's um been diagnosed with schizophrenia, sometimes they have a big coat on, they have a whole lot of layers of clothing, and they're talking to themselves sometimes if they're not on medication. Um, a lot of times people that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia don't like taking medication simply because of the side effects. They don't want to feel lethargy. They don't want to walk around feeling like a zombie. So they choose to self-medicate. And when they self-medicate, They'll use any type of drug of their choosing, thinking that the their symptoms are going away. A lot of times, people with um, schizophrenia they like to um, see things are not there. That's their delusion and hallucination stage. And so, when they're hallucinating, sometimes when they talking, when someone is talking to them, they don't actually see that actual person that they're actually talking to, their mind is telling them something totally different. Um, especially when they're in that media stage. When they're in that media stage they can be you can have a thinking come up to someone saying, Hey, how you doing? And their voices may be saying, What are you looking at? Why are you looking at me? And so they're constant their their brain is constantly roaming and they constantly have these all these thoughts in their head, and they can't function normally in society uh, with other people when they have all these voices going on because that person may be just talking about the TV show, but in their mind, that's a whole other different conversation. Um, the delusion part of this is when they have false beliefs that are, that are not based on factual information, The delusions impairs um Everything in them, country, um, especially their reality, resulting in misconception or their deception of people. And then when they have um, hallucination, that hallucination can be auditorial, which is hearing voices, or visual when they see things that are not technically there. Most common with this disorder they hear voices that, like I said, talk to them or order them to do things. You know, a lot of people watch T V shows and um they'll see where a person has um been diagnosed with schizophrenia in this actual show and they'll turn all they'll put um foil on their windows to make everything dark. And then they don't want to listen to the radio because they feel like that's um transmission that someone is trying to listen to their brain. And then sometimes they don't like to turn on the TV either because that TV will show start talking to them as well. That's the hallucination part. And when they're in psychosis, psychotic, when they're in a psychotic mode, this involves distortion of reality as well, and it's also accompanied by delusion and hallucination. And the person's hearing voices and may look and see a demon or they may see themselves as Jesus Christ. They may think they're the ruler of the world, and they'll pronounce as telling people that they are the ones who um, made water. They're the ones who can heal the blind. This is all people that are schizophrenia. Now, we also have what is called schizoaffective. Schizoaffective is when you have both diagnoses, when you bipolar and schizophrenia together. And as you can imagine, someone running around in a stage where they're they're constantly moving, they're saying things that's not there, they're hearing voices, they go back to childhood things that um, that they remember, and they can result back to that, not saying, back as a child, but they result back to things they were doing as a child. They mimic um, TV shows, and they're constantly moving about. They may have a lot of clothing. They may um, lock themselves in a room thinking that the outside world is trying to get to them and that the United States is trying to get to their brain and want to cut their brains and have. These are all part of someone that's gets so effective, now we're moving on to cognitive disorders. This is where you have dementia, you have TBI, which is a traumatic brain injury, you also have excited delirium. A lot of people with dementia is basically a form of um, Alzheimer's, dementia is your short term memory. This is a decline in your memory and other thinking skills due to the gradual dysfunction of loss of the brain cells. And the same thing is for Alzheimer's. But Alzheimer's, they don't remember things that's in their past. One minute they know you. And both of these, both dementia and Alzheimer's, they go through a period of stage, um, They'll go through a stage of feeling very happy. Then they'll go through a stage where they're very sad, depression sticks in. Then they'll go through a um, motion where they're very upset. They want to fight. And then they don't remember what they have done. People that have dementia uh, a lot of times get lost simply because they can go to the store and then when they leave the store they forgot how to get home. And then so they stay drive. That's why we have a lot of um senior people that driving and all of a sudden there's an alert put out because that person has been missing more than twenty four hours. That is because the person is just trying to figure out where they live, and they can't remember. So they just constantly drive and drive and drive. There was an incident last year where a um, grandfather and his grandson went to the store. Typical day. It was um, nice and pretty outside. So the grandson wanted to go and get ice cream. So the grandfather, who has dementia, but at the time, he was doing very well. He they left and went to the to get ice cream, but the sad thing about it, the grandfather forgot how to get home, and the grandson is only six years old, and so they drive and they drive and they drive, and the grandson is asking the grandfather, "Hey, where are we going, grandfather? We're trying to." I, and he tell he told him. We're going home. We're going home. But in the reality, the grandfather forgot how to get home. Sadly, they found them two days later in Arkansas. So this grandfather had traveled from Dallas, Texas, to Arkansas because he was lost, and he just continued to drive. And so that's the stages where you have um, people that have dementia. Now, when we talk about Excited delirium. This is this mental illness. Um, its purpose or it manifests as a combination of uh, delirium, it uh, excited um, delirium, sorry, um, hallucination, the speech um, disturbance, disoriented, they can be violent. They have bizarre behaviors, and people that have excited delirium, they sometimes will hallucinate as well, and this is manifested within someone where they come, they they may do drugs as well. And they're moving quickly. They're moving, they're moving. They can be strong as well. And all of a sudden, you see them, they take all their clothes off. Because excited delirium it makes you hot inside. Because your, your mind is started going, you're going, you're going, you're going. Um, I recently did some research on law enforcement and excited delirium, And mostly all the videos that I was researching show people that were nude, they took all their clothes off and was walking through the neighborhood. And when law enforcement tried to stop them, they couldn't because they're so, they're so strong. And they're moving and moving. They one man, I video I've seen where he was nude, and they was trying to talk to him down, but there was no talking because he couldn't hear nothing that they were saying. So he actually um, busted through a wooden fence. That's how strong he was. And so finally, it took almost seven officers to actually get him settled down. And even then, they still had issues. They tried to mace him. It did not work. So a lot of times people with excited to deliver When they're in a stage of manic, they can't see nothing. They have that um, anxious um, hallucination going on now b, um t b i which is a brain um traumatic it's a traumatic brain injury. This is when someone has a sudden um blow to the head, and their brain is subject to a collision um causing the skull inside to swell. It's resulting in bruising to the brain um tearing of the nerves fiber. And it starts bleeding. When someone has a TBI, they don't often remember certain things. They may have a speech impairment. They also may have what you call lost in memory. And it's simply because the brain has been a serious injury. People with um, brain traumatic injuries go through mood disorders as well, feeling hopelessness. Um, They may feel depressed because they can't do the things they used to do anymore. Sometimes people with BTI forget how to do certain things. And when I say forget how to do certain things, I'm meaning like, say, for instance, if that person used to go and dance all the time, well, with a brain injury, that person might have forgotten how to dance, and then it's frustrating simply because they're trying to remember and they can't. Then we have also another disorder, which is anxiety disorder. This um, excessive ex- anxiety and they worry that diff- is difficult to control. They actually have negative um, impacting their de- negatively impacting their daily functions. These disorders um, basically can range from specific fears such as phobias, like you don't like to fly, or public speaking. Basically, anxiety disorders are people that report feelings of weariness or attention, and they have this lasts anywhere from two to six months. Um, sometimes it clearly can be excessive, Other um, anxieties, like people have panic disorders. And when you have a panic disorder, it means something that they have come upon them and they just can't function. They go into this this panic mode where they start breathing real hard. Um, They feel like they're about to faint. Then you have also society uh, disorder, which is anxiety disorder. Then you have a substance-induced anxiety where people are doing drugs and all of a sudden they try to stop and it don't work for them. We have also a disorder for trauma and distress-related, which is PTSD. PTSD is basically very common in individuals who have experienced a major trauma in their life. And this trauma can be someone of a young age. It has no age limit as far as having a stressor in your life that is so stressful to where your brain cannot handle everything that's going on. People who experience post-traumatic stress often are soldiers because a lot of times people think only soldiers can get PTSD. That's not true. Anyone that has experience of traumatic break in their life can receive, can be diagnosed with PTSD, such as rape victims. Um, a lot of times our victims that have been trafficked experience PTSD. Those who have um, seen someone die in front of them can have post-traumatic stress. And a lot of people don't really like to admit when, when they've been experiencing post-traumatic disorder, simply for the fear of not feeling hold. but you have triggers. People who have PTSD have triggers, and these triggers basically make them fight or flight. Its response, typical to reaction, is meant to protect them from harm. And sometimes, um, I spoke to one of my human trafficking victims, and she stated that she was walking on campus one time and the shadow of someone she jumped because she felt someone was behind her and that was a trigger for her you have people that have rape victims where they smell a certain smell that can trigger a breakdown we have soldiers who have triggers of when you hear a loud door shut close that's a trigger because they jump into that mode again of being on the battlefield. PTSD affects people in different ways. And it's very uh, disheartening when you see someone that's going through this and they try to act as though nothing is going on with them. Most people with any type of mental illness don't like to admit that they have a mental illness. It's They're in a denial And when you're in denial, that is the worst thing that you can do because you don't really realize the things that you're doing you think is normal, but it's not normal. When you come to work and you snapping on people or you come to go to school and all of a sudden you're talking to people as though you're Jesus Christ. But when someone say, hey, you know, what's going on? I'm fine. You know, the magic word is I'm fine. I'm good. But yet you just. Snapped on someone for no reason Just because they they spoke to you And you went ballistic But then when you came to yourself it, You act as though Nothing's wrong So a lot of times people are in denial They don't like to get counseling um, PTS people Need counseling People that Have schizophrenia need counseling Anybody that And then people that have Any type of disability depression disorder, need counseling. And people have a stigmatism about counseling that I have no idea of. When you say counseling, it's like, oh, no, I don't do that. Well, it's to help you. It's for you to go and talk to someone about your feelings. It's for you to go in and say, hey, can you listen to what I'm saying? And maybe what you're saying to someone else, they can tell you, okay, this is not normal, but let's work at it. I'm not really sure why people are afraid of the big C word, counseling, is to get help. Now, when you moving on to communication with someone that is in a crisis, uh, you want to actually come to that person and just say, hey, what's going on? It's a turning point in their life towards either positive or negative. Um, In mental health, we call the word crisis where it primarily is a person's reaction to an event. One person may be deeply affected by an event while another person may not. But the thing about it, when someone is in a crisis mode, you want to be able to know how to talk to them. And we call it de-escalation. When you don't, especially when you don't know if that person um, has a disorder or not or they haven't been um, diagnosed and they're acting very weird, well, if I'm talking to you and you're talking very weird to me, yelling at you, saying stop doing that" or stop acting like that, it's not going to change the way that person acting, especially if it's in a mania stage. So we have to be able as Family members or friends, or in a relationship, to know how to talk to people when they're actually having some type of breakdown in their life, uh, or even having some type of mania attack. You have to be able to respond to behavior where you're diffusing the situation. You have to sometimes, I and mean, it's it's frustrating. Sometimes you can't always remain calm, which is understandable. But try to handle. The challenging question, and, and to prevent physical confrontation. And what I mean by that is that people sometimes don't understand when you're trying to help them. They think you're trying to force them to do something that they don't want to do. So you actually have to make sure that you stay non-confrontational at all times. Um, and then you got to make sure that you're safe as well. When you see someone that Maybe there's schizophrenia, and they have a bat in their hands. Well, I'm not saying go up to that person and just start talking to them. I'm just saying make sure you stay a certain feet away, and you kind of talk to them and say, hey, what's going on? What's the bat for? You kind of talk to them that way. And if they start yelling, you don't never match your voice with their voice. It doesn't go anywhere. It makes the situation worse. And I know a lot of times family members get so frustrated with their family members when they're bipolar or when they're schizophrenia or even when they're depressed because even when someone's depressed and they pull away, what is frustrating to that family member because they want that person to be the same, but they don't know how to get to that person or deal with that person. Being negative is the wrong way to go. You have to stay positive even when it hurts. You have to stay positive even when you get frustrated, because I'm telling you, working with some someone that has some type of mental illness can be very frustrating. But you gotta constantly stay prayed up, and you gotta convince them to get to seek help. That's the main thing: convincing them to seek help to help them to be able to function in life. And then you have to be able to listen when they're talking. Because a lot of times when someone is depressed, they say key words to you that you might not realize is very key words. When they start talking about quitting their job that they've been on for 15 or 16 years, and the job is a great job, they used to love it, but all of a sudden now it's they're going to quit. Listen to that person very closely, and the things that they're saying, so you can pick up on if they're feeling so hopelessness, so hopeless that they want to commit suicide, or they're thinking about leaving to go and do so something with suicide ideation. You listen to key words that people are saying, even with someone that's um, with dementia. Just because their short-term memory comes and goes doesn't mean that they don't have feelings. So you have to talk to them as well because they have been known people with dementia wants to hurt themselves too because they don't like the way they're feeling. They don't like the way that they can't remember stuff. It's frustrating to them. So you have to keep iterating to them about how... They can seek help to talk it out to you, but you have to listen. And then you have to acknowledge a person when they are feeling sad. You have to be able to validate their feelings. Acknowledgement occurs when you legitimately understand what the person is feeling, or you understand the person's angry. You understand. Never tell a person I know how you feel, that is a trigger. For a lot of people that have mental illness Because They're the ones with the illness So when you say Oh I know how you feel Really? Do you actually know how that person's feeling? Have you ever Been paranoid? Have you ever had Hallucination before? Have you ever had uncontrollable thoughts? So tell someone I know how you feel Or I know what you're going through can be a trigger because that person may snap up and say, wait a minute, how you know what I'm going to, and that that can cause another conflict. So you want to say, I understand, because you do, you can understand what they're going through. You might not know how they feel, or you might not know what they're going through, but you understand. So you want to acknowledge them at all times. You don't never want to agree when someone is attempting to defuse anger, you don't never want to agree with someone who's often angry about something that you have no idea with about so and you also don't want to agree with someone that's having hallucination. if they're saying the sky is blue and green and red all at once, don't say, "Oh, I see what you're talking about. Don't agree, don't make them." feel as though something is like they like they're talking crazy to you. They may be, but don't you don't want them you don't want to make them feel that way. So you don't ever you don't ever want to agree with the person. You don't want to make their situation um come real when it's not. And then you never want to apologize for imaginary wrongs. You want to be sincere, but you don't want to apologize by being unjust. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to apologize to someone simply because you made an assumption that was actually true, but to that other person it wasn't true. So you don't want to make sure, you don't ever want to say, um, oh, I'm sorry, what kind of mess is that? You know, because that can be a trigger. You have to actually... I'm not saying watch everything you say once about around someone, but just be conscious of the things that you might say. And so, uh, within that, that's a lot of de escalation um, things that we talk about when we talk about mental health and some of the things of that nature. So, I want to open it up to you. Do you have any questions?
1: I wanted to make sure to get it off the mute. I was listening. Before I I go to the line, I wanted to ask you this. Now, can a person under 18 be diagnosed with anything?
2: Most of the time, um, they can have symptoms at an early age, but most mental health diagnoses are not until they're 18. Um, for example, schizophrenia or um bipolar people with major um disorders like such as that um are usually diagnosed at the age of eighteen. Now they can experience it at a young age, but they're not gonna diagnose them with that. Depression can be diagnosed at any age okay that doesn't have a stigmatism, but most major mental illness. Uh, their diagnosis at eighteen. Then it manifests when they're younger but it's not until they're eighteen.
1: Okay, okay. Okay. Also, one last question before we go on the air to the airline. Um the question was, can a person be diagnosed with more than one thing at the same time?
2: Sure. You can be schizophrenia and also have major depressive disorder. Or you can be bipolar and schizophrenia together, which is um, or effective. You can also have um, personality disorder or depression. And let me tell you this that I didn't say earlier. A true mental health issue, a true mental health person, a true person, a person that has mental illness, is only pretty much three ways. Basically, you're hereditary, where someone in your family, your genes, uh, may have a mental illness, BT, uh, a TBI, which is a brain traumatic injury, or drug-induced. Hmm. You cannot be normal one day and wake up And decide that you're going to be schizophrenia It doesn't work like that It it doesn't manifest within a day It doesn't manifest within two days Um, A lot of times People that are Bipolar You don't wake up and decide Oh I'm bipolar today It doesn't work that way Um, True mental illness Comes from people in your family, and that might not be your immediate family. It may be down the line. It may be a great great grandmother or, or a great uncle um, or a great auntie. Someone in that family might have had it, but they didn't never go and get diagnosed. They never seek. They never sought help. Um, Drug induced. These are people who like to do drugs, and their brains are fried. And when their brains are fried, they can't function. Believe it or not, people who smoke marijuana hallucinate. Hmm. So why everyone is saying let's get the miracle drug for cataract and have um, smoke marijuana for this and that? A lot of times, you hallucinate when you smoking marijuana or AKA weed. Um, also, when you have a brain traumatic injury, a TBI. The brain does not function normally no more. So it can induce a major mental illness such as schizophrenia or bipolar or even post-traumatic stress disorder. So those are some of the common features about mental illness because a lot of times you see people, um, I'm in law enforcement, and so working in a jail setting, we have a lot of people that, Say, oh, I have mental illness, but when you ask them, so what's your diagnosis? They can't tell you, or they say, um, I'm bipolar. Well, what does that mean? They can't tell you, and I said, oh, so you have a mood disorder? Because that's all bipolar is—it's a mood disorder. Or you you see someone that's schizophrenia, and they because they love to the, about about the word, oh, I'm schizophrenia. What does that mean? Can you tell me what person is schizophrenia? What does that What does that mean? So, but a person who has a true diagnosis is going to tell you their diagnosis. They're going to tell you some of their triggers. They're going to tell you the things that they are experiencing because they've been dealing with this a long time. Um, people that are depressed a lot at times are a denial. They don't think they're depressed. So they may not tell you that they're depressed. They, they're they going to tell you the magic word is I'm okay. So those are some of the things that you have to look at a lot of times when you're talking about mental illness.
1: Okay. Now I do want to say this disclaimer. We recommend people, please you can see a counselor, but also realize that there are some Christian counselors out there. I yes. think a lot of times even those that are Christians uh, within the church, a lot of times they feel like, well, you know, if you go see a counselor, that means you're not uh, having your faith in God or you're not trusting God. No, even counselors, that is a ministry. So as a believer, it's okay to seek help or to ask for assistance through going to counseling so don't let anybody make you feel that you're less than a Christian or you ain't saved or you're not exercising your faith. That's not the case. So I did want to say that out there um, before we go to the line. Right now, there is someone on the line, the area code 706. We want to get an the opportunity uh, if they have any questions or just want to have some remarks. Going to the line right now. Hello, welcome to Name My Hard Podcast. You're on the area, Brother Prater and... Miss Craig, how are you doing today?
0: All right. Everything's great.
1: Good, 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 good. Thank you for coming in on the line. Of, if you have any questions, or if you just want to um, say some remarks, you're welcome at this time.
0: A comment, uh, comment was made regarding hallucinations, uh, smoking marijuana.
3: Mm-hmm. Many,
0: many years ago, when I was a young man, I smoked marijuana. And I never once hallucinated. And um, the danger, one of the main dangers with marijuana these days, is what they're lacing it with. They lacing it with all other kind of chemicals, which makes it extremely dangerous to your brain and your overall health. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the young people should take heed to the threat of uh, consuming marijuana that's been laced with everything from diesel fuel to gasoline cocaine, methamphetamine, and so
2: forth. Right. And you're so right in that, but the, but the the flip side of that is that you may not have experienced hallucination, but sometimes people do experience hallucination when smoking marijuana because there's several different um brands of marijuana. There and I there's different names for it as well. So there's so many different types of marijuana out there, and I learned that from the young people. Um not saying that I'm an old person, but um, you're correct in saying that these young people do need to be aware of things that they're doing. Um, I had a young man tell me that he went and bought some marijuana from someone, and they did. They laced it with PCP, but he didn't know it. And so he said, I went to flipping out. Um, I thought I was strong. I tried to stop a car. I said, oh, because you smoke weed? And he was like, I think somebody laced it, and they did. I said, well, it sounds like you was on PCP because he felt like he was a a strong person. He um, was doing things that was abnormal. I said, you might want to stop smoking because you don't know what someone can lace it, which you're absolutely right, and it's very dangerous. Very dangerous.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my comments. And, uh, thank I you, sir. Have a good evening.
1: Yes, Angie Thank you. Thank you. God bless you now. God bless you too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now we're going to go to other line. Hello, welcome to Rick nightmare My Heart Podcast. Join Arab Brother Prater and also Miss Craig, how you doing today? This is the area code eight seven zero. Eight seven zero, how you doing today?
0: Okay, we're gonna
1: we're gonna go to the next line, we're gonna go to the line area code. Like there's a 214, 214. Hello, welcome to Rick Namaha our Podcast. You're on the air with myself, and Miss Craig. How you doing today? Hey, how
4: you doing?
1: Doing great, doing great, doing great. Doing good,
2: sir. How are you?
4: I'm good. This 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 is this, this your uh, your church member, your your brother, your cousin. This is this is Mark and This is Sam.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. How you doing, sir?
4: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was. I was listening to y'all. Call on the other phone, baby. Hold, hold on, because San, Sandra want to hear it too. Hold, hold on. Okay. Yeah. Um. I was listening to y'all, and you know, I I, I work out at um. Uh, I work out at Parkland Hospital,
3: and mm-hmm.
4: I see I see a, a lot of every bit of what you were talking about, and um. I um I, I just want to thank y'all for doing the program. I, I feel like y'all gonna help. A lot of people. Thank uh, you, sir. With with this, and y- y'all gave me some helpful tips. Of course, I've been in law enforcement for a while. I worked at the jail as well, and um, I just appreciate y'all for what y'all are doing. Um, but I've I've come in contact with uh, the angry part of the mental illness a lot. Yes, in jail, and and I asked a professional one time about it. And I, and and this is what they said to me, and basically they said, well, do you remember that person in your family when you were young or whatnot that might have had mental illness or what have you? You know, they were kind of, you know, reserved or quiet. It really didn't bother nobody. But <clears throat> I said, yes, I said, yes, I do, because I asked them, what is the cause? Let me back up a little bit. I said, what's the cause of the anger? What's the Why are they... Why are they so mad and angry and frustrated? Well, they took me back to when I was a child, and then I would see that. And so what happened is they said that that is more of a natural thing where people are born with a mental illness with the ones that are, are not angry. But the ones that are angry, they stated that basically that was a person that probably was on drugs. And so I'm just trying to see if I can get some clarification on that. Um, but like I said, I deal with more of, of the angry version with people being homeless and, you know, even the criminal ailment out at Park. You know, we deal with that a lot. And, you know, we get people coming in saying they're suicidal and and then one moment they're suicidal, then the next moment they want to run out.
2: And, mm-hmm. you know,
4: we, we have to chase them down because they can't, You know leave until they're Not so much cured but until the doctor releases them so we deal With that on a day to day basis And So again I said I just Wanted to call and um, Just tell y'all Y'all doing God's work and I Thank y'all for what y'all doing And um, just listen in And and I'm I'm glad my brother's out there I I try to catch him every time I can You know uh, But man you guys are doing an awesome job Awesome job
2: thank you
1: thank you i appreciate it and and also um i worked in the jail with the mental health um years ago and the funny thing about it we didn't have the information today that we had we don't have the inf- we didn't have the information back then all they did was just told us hey you're working on this floor and that's it and so now looking back at it a lot of the things that you know for especially being younger and being inexperienced uh back in the 90s it was uh mental health was was not discussed as, mm-hmm. much, as much as it is today and so i wish myself i wish the older the older version of me would go back and maybe be able to just look at the inmates that came in and maybe had a better understanding, you know, I wasn't used to seeing somebody, you know, getting their feces and rubbing it on their body or drinking their own urine or, you know, cutting themselves and so many other stories that to me is normal now, but if someone else who never experienced or never worked up there, though, know, they probably would lose their appetite or it may scare them, but, I guess that shock value because of the years of service I've been up there, it's like, like I say, it's normalcy. And most of the time, matter of fact, I had one inmate to tell me he refused to take his medicine because it did not allow him to have an erection. And so now he don't want to take his medicine. So he had a choice between taking his medicine, being medicated, but not having an erection or be able to have an erection, but he will have episodes. So those are, I guess one of many scenarios that a lot of people deal with. And like you mentioned earlier, because of the way that the medication makes them feel sometimes it may make them feel outside of character and they can feel a big difference, you know? And so, because of the side effects, they just choose, some of them may choose not to take it at all or to take recreational drugs, even though in their mindset, you know, it's cheaper, but it's more harmful.
2: Okay. You, you're so correct in that. And the thing about it, um, mental health back then People just uh, Characterize people into one main group It wasn't All these different diagnoses Like it is now And you're correct A lot of people aren't taking medication because of the way They feel It makes them feel um, especially, Especially medication that makes them lethargic Where they feel like they're a robot And they don't want to feel that way They want to be able to function But sometimes The medication helps with their voices and the hallucination. So it was like a give-and-take situation when it comes to medication, Um, simply because there are very strong medication and it kind of helps with their um, illness. I just got a question um, on text message uh, about someone who has been seriously abused and was on drugs heavily um, have fits at times, and she states this because of her boyfriend touching her. Um, she has medication but hasn't taken them um, in a long time. Um, they want to know if she's bipolar. I would say PTSD first, um, simply because if she says that she's been tormented um, by an ex-boyfriend, that means that she's having triggers and something has triggered her thoughts about what has happened to her. And it takes her back to that tormenting stage. So that's why she having fits. Um The probably the medication was probably helping her with concentration and probably helping her to sleep better. Um But I will say PTSD. I'm not um no one to diagnose anybody yet. Cause I don't have my license and I will be soon. However, I am able to see the symptoms of someone with PTSD, and it sounds like she has PTSD, Um, especially if you see her always going, always um, resorting back of what happened to her. That's probably a sign to PTSD, and she needs to go back to her doctor and seek counseling, because she hasn't dealt with the situation, she hasn't dealt with what happened to her. That's where the drugs come in in because when you have such a traumatic injury to the brain um from p t s d you can't function. so what do these do? You cope with drugs. that's how that's your coping skill, or you start cutting yourself because you're trying to ease the pain away. So, I would suggest to this young lady to go back to her doctor and ask get back on her medication, and seek help for counseling. Okay. So I hope that helped. Yes. And um, I'm having someone
1: to write a question. Someone texted me a question, but also there's someone online that would like to want to come on also. Hello. Welcome to Reconate My Heart Podcast. You're on the air with Brother Prater and, my, and Ms. Craig. How are you doing today? Hello? Hello? Okay. Okay, maybe they don't want to get on air. Okay. Well, I want to tell you, um, until someone, to the person, finish texting, I want to tell you, I really appreciate you informing us. And like I said, this is something that we really have to talk about because um, we can't, hide it. We can't let it go under the rug. But we wanna thank Ms. Craig for coming on the air and we praying that whatever was said, we're praying that he will minister to those who may need it. And also all of us need this information. We're gonna ask you all to just continue to come in with your questions, your comments and even though the air may be end the episode may be ending, we want to make sure to let you know that even Later on, we'll give her the questions, and she can reply back. And we want to just uh, thank Ms. Craig for coming on the air. Thank all. Thank all y'all who had uh, called in, who came with the questions your comments. We want to ask y'all to continue to keep this keep this podcast in your prayers. Keep Ms. Craig in your prayers. She's going to need it. And I thank Ms. Craig coming in on last week and also this week so without further moment ado, we want to thank everyone who tuned in and we ask each and everyone to please, if you know someone who may have these symptoms, please, please watch out for them. And if you can't get them to go to the doctor, please, by all means, uh, seek some help. Don't try to take it upon yourself or take it all by yourself. So with that being said, thank you, to everyone who tuned in and Thank you for listening to Reconnect My Heart Podcast. God bless you and good night. Thank you.